Sarah Cuvion. And this is Let the Good Crimes Roll. So to start, I'm sorry we didn't have an episode last week, y'all. The virus, some sort of stomach bug hit all of us. Yeah. And my son, my nine-year-old, he informed me. He's like, Mom, you know why I hate diarrhea? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, there's a whole plethora of reasons to yeah. hate diarrhea. I don't know one good reason other than maybe a little weight loss, you know? <laughs> he's like, it makes my butthole burn. <laughs> he is hysterical. He's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. my God. I don't Wait, know where. Tell, tell him what he told Christy. Oh, he told my sister. He said, Aunt Christy, you know I like being a man? Because I can pee outside and y'all can't. <laughs> you know I like being a man. <laughs> like, you are not even a man yet. You're a little boy. What you talking about? <laughs> and hysterical. you know what I made him do today? I made him help me clean the front toilet because there was pee-pee everywhere. Because, oh. But he's like, well, I can't sit on the toilet because I'm a boy. And I said, Then you need to learn how to aim. That's what I said. I said, honey, if you aim better sitting on that toilet, go on and sit. Yeah. Because you're going to start cleaning the toilet. <laughs> he probably gets distracted while he's peeing. That's why He does. <laughs> he's like, is somebody there? And he turns and just whizzes everywhere. You know, I know this is like used for potty training, but some people like throw a Cheerio in there and tell him to start aim doing for that. it. <laughs> when he's like, I got to go pee pee. I'm like, hold on, let me get your Cheerio. <laughs> aim for the Cheerio. So, okay. We wanted to talk quick too about, um, okay. So Sarah is a co-owner of a place. It was called Java Mama. Yes, but we've just rebranded and now we are called The House. So explain to everybody. It is, y'all, it is still Hope and Sarah's shop. Yes. They did not sell it. Oh, they no, did we're not, still, this, we are still very much there. Even though you don't see us on a daily basis, you yeah. see Josh and David, but we're still very much there. Still, the setup is the same. We're yeah. just, we're no longer part of the Java Mama brand. Right. So. They, y'all just got, yeah. and it was by no fault of y'all's oh, own no, that y'all no. got it. Yeah. And it was, it was a very mutual separation. Yeah. So it was, it was totally it, fine. Yeah. Well, explain the name The House. It's, it, is it German? It's French. It's actually. French. Okay. Believe it or not, it's French for rise, which rise. Is, okay. is very symbolic to all of us, you yes. know, with everything that our family has been through mm-hmm. and, you know, just rising up to meet the challenge of, of life and everything. I love it. So, and, and it's French. And so we're all like, we're all Cajun French. So it, it has just Ollie kind of the worked rooster? out. Ollie, yeah. Our, so Hope designed our logo and, you know, I'm a chicken lady. So mm-hmm. she put a little rooster in there and she named him Ollie. Yeah. Yeah. At one point they wanted to call the place Ollie's, but I was like, I don't love that. That, even though I'm a chicken person. No, I'd much so, rather yeah, the, house. the house. Yeah, yeah. and it's actually more. spelled H-A-U-S-S-E. Mm-hmm. So. so if you're in the central area... Go check out the house. Yeah. I mean, Josh it's just, and David are still working up magic in the kitchen and just running and the show. It's, so. it's more, I mean, it is a coffee shop, but they are focusing a lot on mm-hmm. food too. I so. would say like our, our a huge focus now has shifted from coffee to our food menu. And that's in part, that's mainly because of Josh and David. So yeah. They're just our little magicians in the kitchen, it seems. And have y'all got y'all's liquor license yet? Still Girl. in the world? Oh, the words. state of Louisiana. No, we're um we're getting closer. We're several steps closer than what we were, okay. but we're hoping for an August launch of a cocktail menu. But Yay. it's in the works, so it's coming. Brunch is coming. Oh, it's I just brunch. the bureaucracy is just insane. But anywho, well, it's gonna be great. Okay. Well, just we wanted to give everybody a heads up on that because yeah. I had some people ask and I was like, Wait, we'll just clarify. So well, this is our fiftieth episode. Um, I can't believe we have been con- not consistent because we've had some non consistencies, yeah. but like sorry. <laughs> you know, life happens. This isn't our mm-hmm. full-time gig. So sometimes we, we might miss the show if we get too sick or if we just need some time off, you yep. know. So this is episode number 50 and we are covering the Delphi Killer. Yes. Which is both provocative one, but it's also a frustrating it's one. It's so frustrating. Yes. And so if you want to watch what we watched, we, we got it off of, we got off of Discovery Plus. It's yeah. People Magazine investigates the Delphi Killer. It's season five, episode four. Mm-hmm. So if you want to 
check that out. Uh, feel free to check it out. There's a video that everyone needs to look and see. And if you know this person, you need to report him. All right. So we are in a small rural town. I hate that word rural. I know. It rural. sounds so weird. We're in a small farm town <laughs> called Delphi, Indiana, in which I- I've never even heard of Delphi, Indiana. Delphi is your typical small Midwestern town, middle of the United States here. A lot of farm fields. It's typical small town USA. The city's population averages between 2,500 and 3,000 citizens. It's little. Yeah. We meet Mike and Becky Patty. They have a large extended family, which includes three kids and nine grandkids. Two of their granddaughters, Kelsey and Liberty, or Libby as they call her, they come to live with them after their parents' divorce. And I'm just making an assumption. I'm assuming maybe the dad moved back in with them and they were staying with them. They really don't dive too deep into that. We don't really hear about the The mom. Yeah. At all, you're, you know what? Now you said no, not at all. Yeah, I wonder what happened with the mom. Like I'm she didn't interview sure. at all in this. No. So Libby was into anything and everything. Libby wanted to try everything. Mike did archery, so she decided she wanted to do archery. She wanted to golf, so we got her a set of golf clubs. Um, she was willing to try anything. She would literally give the shirt off her back and just go out of her way to help other people always very conscientious of how others felt and how they were. And she didn't like bullying. She would stand up for people. She was always willing to give, always willing to help. Archery to golf to volleyball to photography. You name it, this girl has tried it. Mm -hmm. And she's good at it. She's good at everything she does. Again, Miss Olivia, (laughs) I swear. If you don't know Olivia, Sarah's daughter. That's my baby girl. Who is like the coolest (laughs) kid. Like, I, I... I was not that cool at her age. I was not that cool at her age. No, I will agree with that. None of us are that cool at that age. She is just like a fashion icon yeah, at I 12. I don't know where she got that from, but it surely wasn't me. Um, she got it from you now, girl, because you're a fashion icon now. I don't know about that, but thank you. Yes, you, you are a fashion icon. She's also described, and, and the reason why this is important is because it's going to come back, but she's someone who is very conscientious of her surroundings mm-hmm. and of other people's feelings. And she's what I would call like an empath. Like, yeah. I mean, she picks up on things around her even at such a young age which is from a a parent's perspective something that you want in your child you know be aware of your surroundings what's going on and because god knows my kids are not at all (laughs) especially canon i hope i hope olivia is aware of her surroundings i feel like i've driven enough like true crime into her brain right she is aware of her surroundings to listen to those instincts but she also has that young person's mentality of of like this can't happen to me right so exactly as we all had at that age of course also here is Kelsey, who is Libby's sister, and she says that the two of them were just best friends. And you have to think that, like, they probably, if they were both living with their grandparents, you know, it's like they have each other. That's just mm-hmm. been the constant their whole lives. So they're very close. They both loved photography. They loved nature. They loved Wait, were hiking. they sisters? Kelsey and Libby were. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not, not Abby. And, not Abby. Okay. Yeah, Kelsey and Libby were, because okay, we're gotcha. talking to Kelsey. Yes. Libby attends Delphi Middle School where she is described as a standout student. A lot of times when we watch like true crime stuff, they say the same things like, oh, she was such a good girl. Mm -hmm. 14-year-old Libby is a standout student who excels in science. 
She has plans to become a science teacher herself and is already taking advanced science classes at nearby Purdue University. She really was a standout student. This girl was taking classes at Purdue University. Yeah. In science. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's what I would call a standout. She, she wasn't, it's not like she was a senior taking college courses. No, she, she was, was 14. Yeah, she was 14 yes. taking college courses. Because she wanted, she excelled in science. She wanted to be a science teacher and they have the receipts to back mm-hmm. that up is all I can say. So she was best friends with a girl named Abigail Williams. They, she went by Abby. Abby was an only child to her mother, Anna, who was single. And again, Abby's dad's not involved in this, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I can kind of understand it. That's a, yeah, it's a hard I mean, topic you never to know, talk about. You never know like what the parents are like outside of the documentary. Right. So it, it, or how they're dealing yeah. with everything. So Abby loved people and she was a good kid. She always wanted to be helpful. She loved arts and crafts. She loved music. Pretty decent student. Loved to read. She didn't have a cell phone, but she did take a lot of pictures. She could just see different things, different angles. And I was like, that's really cool because mommy doesn't see things the same way. Abby also had a passion for photography. And that's really what drew Libby and Abby together is that they had these in common, but they were best friends. Mm -hmm. They went on vacation together. They were always together. So on Sunday, February 12th, 2017, Abby came over to Libby's house just for a sleepover. They had a great night. They had a great morning. The next day was Monday and they were out of school because... In Indiana, they have these built-in days for, which we have, for us, it's hurricane days. For them, it's snow days. But Mm -hmm. I guess they didn't use those days, so they were kind of using them out, my understanding. Yeah. I can't imagine, do you think it was a snow day? No, because from the footage that we saw, there was no snow on the Right. So I didn't really under, I guess they had excess days that they were allowing them to use since they hadn't used it, maybe. Maybe But it it was was still February. Maybe it was just an allotted day. Like, you know how we have teacher planner days that the kids don't go to school? Maybe it was Um, something similar to that. Something, yeah. But the Girls, it was Monday. The girls were off of school, and Kelsey tells us that in Delphi, like, there's nothing to do there. There's not bowling alleys. There's not theaters. I mean, there's not entertainment like that. So people go hiking. Mm-hmm. The Delphi Historic Trails are an eight mile stretch of hiking terrain just outside of town. They have beautiful hiking trails that everyone's familiar with. So Libby and Abby decide, hey, it's it's going to be, it's cold, but it's a pretty day. Let's go for a hike. Libby asked Kelsey, her sister, if she'd want to come. And she said, well, I can't because I have to work. But she agrees to drop them off. Libby talks to her dad and says, hey, if Kelsey drops me off around one o'clock on this trail, it's an eight mile trail. Could you pick me up around three-ish? And he's like, yeah, that's fine. Because remember, this is just small town USA. I mean, eight mile trail though. I know Goodness. in two hours, I would wow. go like, two miles and be like God. I would make it like I was the kid in PE who was like dying when we had to run the mile girl I never got that president's <laughs> award I did one time in second grade they one made, time you were able to do the pull up or I, like I, you were able to hold well, it yeah because I was only I only had to do two and for by the grace of you God you did a pull up I did two girl by the grace of God I, that was like the one and only time and I still remember it to this day I was like I'm gonna get the presidential award <laughs> I, I never got it they did try and give me some credit and say hey if you can just hold yourself yeah. up and it didn't happen. <laughs> I never got that president's award. Oh, Kelsey says, okay, I'll, you know, I'll drop y'all off. So she goes and she drops them off at a place. There's a big sign and it says the Moonon High Bridge. One place calls it Moonon. One place calls it Monon. If you're from this place, I'm sorry if we say it wrong. <laughs> we from the so. Oh my God, that reminds me when I went to that exotic pet museum. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm obsessed with tortoises and I always say Sulcata. Sulcata is like those big hundred pounds. Yeah, because that's kind of how it's spelled, right? right. S-U-L-C. Yeah. Well, I said, oh, is that a sulcata? And the guy goes, it's a sulcata. <laughs> 
And I was like, and oh. of course my husband gets all huffy and I'm like, well, I'm from the South. So we don't say it. We say Sulcata down here. Like I really put on that. And he looked at me like I was stupid. And he's like, and he upped the price by $30 just by my smart ass. Oh remark. man. I don't want one anyway. I want a red foot. Anyway, Kelsey drops them off and she's like, Hey, it's pretty chilly out there. Y'all got y'all's sweaters. And I'm sure they're like, girl, it's an eight mile hike. We're probably not going to leave it for very long. Yeah. Um, but it's like February in Indiana. Right. Like it's true. still got to be cold. Like it's cold. Yeah. And the last thing that, that Libby tells Kelsey is. And Lib got out of the car and turned around and told me she loved me. And then I drove away. And you know, to this day, Kelsey has to be like, I know. what if I was off that day? Yeah. Or what, what if, if I've gone with them? What if whoa. I suggested they do something else? Yeah. Or even just the thought of her being with, I mean, like knowing what we know, it's like, oh my God, it could have been three mm-hmm. people, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. So we know that the girls make their way to this 60 foot high dilapidated bridge called the, the Monon High Bridge. Uh, it was an old train bridge that people hung out at and a lot of people would go across it and looking at it, there ain't, ain't a chance in hell I'd cross mm-hmm. that bridge. That thing looks like I would step on it and the whole thing would, would yep. fall. But it's 60 feet high. I mean, it's really high and it's so dangerous that Anna, who is Abby's mom, like she told her, you are not allowed to walk across it. That's it. Of course, girls being girls, Libby being the adventure she is, you know, Mm -hmm. we know that they made their way there because Libby posts a snapshot of the bridge. Yes. 30 minutes after she's dropped off. Was was she posting these on Snapchat? On Snapchat. Yeah. And then she posts a picture of Abby crossing the bridge. Mm -hmm. So we know that they are there at that point. So cut to, it's three o'clock. Libby's dad pulls up to their agreed upon spot and there's no sign of the girls. So he calls. She doesn't answer. He calls again. No answer. So he calls his mom, who is Beck, the grandmother. And he's like, look, I I can't find the girls. Like he's walking up and down the trail, Mm -hmm. just trying to see if he can spot anything. And so she starts calling. The grandmother starts calling and there's just no answer. She calls her husband, Mike, who's at work. Mike jumps in his car, goes straight down to the trails. For a couple of hours, they are going through these trails, trying to find these girls. But as night starts to fall, it's getting colder and colder. Mm -hmm. They decide to call law enforcement. So they call contact the police and... The police, we we meet a sheriff by the name of Tobe Lesenby. Have you ever wondered what the band ACDC has to do with the missing town of Doveland, Wisconsin? Or who gets to decide what music plays at the end of the world? Or whether or not the largest unsolved art heist in history was actually a cover for a different crime? Maybe you haven't wondered about these things, but that's okay. On 31, we dive into strange, true, but often lesser-known stories and the interesting theories that surround them. From space to sports, lost media to internet lore, 31 has something for everyone. Find 31 on your favorite podcast platform and dive into the why behind the weird with me, Quinn Lovecraft. 31, the why behind the weird. I am Tobe Lesenby, the current sheriff of Carroll County, Indiana. Initially, we, we didn't have a whole lot of concern because we've, we've had a, a good track record, if you will, in, in locating missing individuals in the past in our jurisdiction. This is a pretty straightforward trail. Even if they ventured off, like, we'll find them. Yeah. The, at this point, they're probably just assuming, like, they either got lost or maybe they're hurt. They're hurt yeah. And they're, they're going to find wherever they're at. Exactly. Because the girls are smart enough not to venture off. Mm-hmm. De- don't get off the trail. So they start looking and the police are involved. But unfortunately, they, they don't find any sign of any of the girls. Mm-hmm. And midnight 
right approaches. And law enforcement makes the point, they, they call off the search, but Libby and Abby's family's like, um, there's not a chance we're calling this yeah. off. They continue throughout the night. I think it says that Mike finally, um, at three o'clock, some friends of his said, look, we will continue to look if you want to go home. Yeah. He goes home. He's back out at seven o'clock the next morning. Search just intensifies. By this point, there are hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, police. They all come in to help with the search. Mike and Becky, they split up. Mike jumps in a canoe and he's going up and down the river while Becky is in a search party. Kelsey is also in a search party somewhere else. There's just no signs of the girls. I mean, they have walked this entire trail, all of these volunteers. So they start to kind of disperse off into the woods. Around 1245 in the afternoon... One of the firefighters picks up a set of footprints that lead to about half a mile east of the bridge. Moments later, his voice is heard on the police walkie-talkies and the girls had been found. Becky's friend, she had gotten a call from her husband who was a part of that search party, but he didn't know they were dead. I was really excited because they come running up and said they found him, they found him. And I remember looking over and my sister was sitting on a trailer and she was crying. It's like everything was in slow motion. So she she walks over and she's like, what are you crying about? Like she's thinking maybe she's happy. And her sister's saying, Becky, I am so sorry. And at that exact moment, Becky saw a coroner van mm-hmm. passing by. It just hit her and she just collapsed. I mean, right. she was just absolutely just devastated and in shock. Mike heard that the girls had been found. He comes back and when he sees Becky, he falls to pieces too because he puts it together. To me, one of the saddest is that Kelsey, the sister, is out in the search party. I was near the pathway that goes underneath the bridge, and I remember them saying, there's two bodies, um, not two people, not two girls, just two bodies laying across the creek. And I watched my grandpa collapse, um, and that's when I knew they were gone. So Anna, who was Abby's mom, was at the fire department. She was approached by a pastor And the pastor said, has anyone spoken to you? And she said she knew in that moment, you know, her only child, Mm -hmm. single mom, that her daughter had been murdered. So around 2 p.m., authorities have a press conference and they tell the public the news. We have found two bodies in Deer Creek, about a mile east of town. Um, We are investigating this as a crime scene. We suspect foul play. Both families are brought in to this like town hall where they are sit down and they confirm that it is Libby and Abby, mm-hmm. which is just devastating. And there's no doubt that this is a double homicide. Um, a multi-agency task force is assembled to investigate. And Indiana State Police Deputy Doug Carter was a part of the investigation. Also brought in was the FBI. And one way the FBI was a big help was they set up this tip line, which is able to digest a lot of information and compartmentalize that information to help. Instead of getting 40,000 tips that you're having to siphon through and say, oh, what is this? What, you know, how can this help? It narrows it down to help them try and see if they can find a suspect. So one day after the girls are found, an autopsy is conducted and the results to this day are sealed. There's no details about how the girls were murdered. And Sergeant Carter, I appreciate what he says because obviously they don't want to release that because if they have a murder suspect, they don't want him. I mean, they don't want anything. And I understand. I think that's mm-hmm. completely perfect. But he basically says like, The person that killed those two little girls knows how he did it. We will not talk about how they were murdered. I will just simply say that they were murdered and let that eat us from the inside out. I will let this eat away at me how this happened so that you don't have to go through that. Because apparently 
it you was know, a it tragic, brutal. We don't know. Yeah. And they won't say. And he says, I- I'm not going to talk about it. The crime scene made things complicated, too, because it was outside. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's a crime scene indoors, things are more protected. More preserved. Yeah. Right. Evidence. Exactly. And so this was out in the woods where there's could be animals. There like could animals, be wind. Yeah. Yes. All of that affected that. And so right out the gate, we know that the land is owned by 77 year old Ronald Logan. And I don't feel bad for Ronald because of his bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But man, this screwed him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they look into him. He's owned this land for 53 years and he's pretty lenient about people coming on it. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't. There's it's fine. If they want to walk yeah. the trails, he doesn't have a problem with it. So Robert's alibi was that he was bringing a load of trash to the city dump. But the problem is his license is suspended from a drunk driving conviction Uh-oh. in 2014. He was also spotted in a bar getting a couple of drinks before he drove home. Uh-oh. So while his alibi did check out, he was arrested for driving without a license and went to jail for two years oh for my violating gosh. His, his probation. Now he's 77, y'all. Oh my don't get me wrong. He should, I don't feel sorry for him because he should have he shouldn't be drinking and driving you could kill somebody robert mm-hmm. but damn like your alibi was also your downfall <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you had to like give yourself up to I save know. yourself you just know? say my brother drove me Where yeah, you seriously right yeah days pass and the public is just very frustrated because this just doesn't happen yeah. here you it's know? a small town and it's scary yeah. there's mm-hmm. a murderer amongst us this is where it all kind of goes crazy there is a video that is released from Libby's cell phone. Mm-hmm. It is a video of a man walking towards the girls on the bridge. And it's around the time that they were there. Logic should tell us that this is probably the guy that killed them. Mm-hmm. It's not a perfect picture of him, but you can see his gait, his walk. Yeah. And one of the things, it kind of ties back to what I said earlier, just about her conscientiousness is that... And the fact that 14-year-old Libby was able to provide that evidence to us, it's pretty special. I still give her so much credit to this day. I've been at it for 30 plus years. It's so amazing what this young lady did. Libby was the smartest girl I'd ever met. She was very observant and watched her surroundings. She knew that something was going to happen. The fact that she had the wherewithal to pick up her phone and video this man walking towards her, that kind of blows your mind. And I wonder if she did it like inconspicuously to where he didn't notice it because... He didn't take the phone with him. Right. You know, no, she, exactly. She, the phone was, I'm assuming, still on her. They found it by her. Yeah. yeah. So um, that makes me wonder, like... Or why he didn't crash yeah, it or, why, or do something. Why didn't he take care of the phone? Like, does he just not understand how I guarantee it was very inconspicuous. I guarantee. Yeah. So we see this guy and the police take a steel shot of it. They show the video. And if you haven't seen this video, go look at it. Because if this is your creepy uncle, call in and yeah, report him. Because he does have a distinctive walk. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, somebody knows who this is. It's released to the public. But while all this is going on, you know, there are two families who are making funeral arrangements. Mm-hmm. The town just comes together. And one of the really touching things was they had a, um, they did a bike ride, motorcycle ride mm-hmm. to raise money to help pay for funeral expenses. And what started out as just a couple of bikes ended up being hundreds and hundreds yeah. Yeah. of bikes which was so sweet and then they set up an, a reward which started out at like $25,000 but the football team that's up there they matched everything that was donated yeah, the Colts. Yeah. right 
And so it ended up totaling over two hundred thousand yeah, dollars. Uh, yeah, because I want to say after I think the one donations, of, one of the players from the the NFL team, the Colts, uh-huh. and then I and think the their owner. owner donated, like they, they matched, matched donations. Yeah. So it ended up like a really big right. reward amount. Yeah. So I mean, businesses donated mm-hmm. for this reward on February twenty second, two thousand and seventeen. This is just a couple of days after the girls were killed. Police reve- uh, release an audio recording, and what they say is she must have had her phone in her pocket because mm-hmm. it is kind of muffled. It's still recorded, yeah. But you can hear this man say, down the hill. Which is very distinctly, where they were found. Yeah, very distinctly. You under, this, There's no question this is what he's saying. Down the hill. So between yeah. the video and the voice, like, somebody knows who this yeah. is. But unfortunately, even with all... I mean, this should be like, man, I know that dude. I know. Um, there's no suspects that emerge. So five months later, in July of 2017, police release a composite sketch based on the video. So just remember this. This is based on the video. Mm-hmm. The video is not perfect. You can't really see his face that great. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see it. But there was also an eyewitness on the trails that day, someone else, who did a composite sketch. And just remember that because okay. this isn't the same sketch. And we're going to yeah. we're gonna jump back into it. The sketch that's released now is 100% based on the video. Yeah, and... The police don't release the entire video or sound clips, right? So, like, there's more to this that the police probably know that they just haven't yeah. released to the public. Right. They've released what they could without yeah. giving too much without away. Without giving too much away. Yeah. This brings in over 40,000 tips. And we're about to just go down a couple of rabbit holes. That's why I'm going to kind of breeze past some of these mm-hmm. uh, because it's just rabbit holes. That's all it is. One of the tips was a guy by the name of Kevin Sellers. Um, he was the number one suspect of another homicide. And it wasn't a homicide like another. He In 2007, he told police that he found his uncle who was dead by self-inflicted gun gunshot wound and the blood pattern was really inconsistent with a suicide they don't this story is weird to me because they don't it takes 10 years for them apparently to get him to confess that yes in fact he killed his uncle for his Mm -hmm. life insurance the only reason he was reported was because they thought that he looked like the composite sketch i gotcha there's no evidence to tie him to the murders Mm -hmm. so police decide to move on and they focus on registered sex offenders in the area and i mean there there are people but they don't match the composite sketches they don't they weren't in the air they're able to get alibis i mean because they check all these people out and Mm -hmm. there's nobody they're able to prove that they weren't in that area during that time so they focus on oh registered sex offenders like in the area to see like so, maybe if any of them that lets us know that there was a probable like yeah. sexual assault yeah I would think so yeah. for sure absolutely in September of 2017 a tip is received about a man who had a sordid criminal past and he he did have a very eerie resemblance to the sketch mm-hmm. I will give them that the man is located in Colorado and his name is Daniel Nations and I'm gonna start by where we're at and then we're gonna get to how we got there so okay. he's pulled over by Colorado police because there are phone calls being made saying that he's threatening people with a hatchet. When he's pulled over, he is found with a hatchet, but also with a gun. And he he has a long history of, of issues. In 2002, his mother was stabbed to death by his uncle. In an effort to move past it, find some sort of structure, he joins the Marines. Mm-hmm. He's discharged in 2007. All I can think is this has to be drugs, but... Mm-hmm. Soon after he's discharged, he's caught fondling himself in public. Ew. And he's convicted of indecent exposure. Now, y'all. Ew. Listen here, fellas. That is disgusting. I don't want to watch like, that. Don't do that. Nobody no. wants that. Ugh. 
based off of, he has a list of random other arrests and convictions, and a lot of them have to do with drugs. Mm -hmm. So he has a second arrest for indecent exposure, which makes him have to classify as a sex offender. And once a week, he has to report to his parole officer, like exactly Mm -hmm. where he is. In 2015, um, he's arrested for domestic violence. He struck his wife in front of their child. Two years later, his brother, who is one of the only people that he really loved, got killed in a fight. He was in a fight and a guy with a steel-toed boot kicked him and he Mm -hmm. ultimately died. So Nations decided to take his wife and his and his child and he was going to get vengeance on this man. So he packs up. I don't know where he was. They didn't say like where he initially was living, but he moves to Colorado. But when he gets there, it's discovered that the man had pled guilty to the crime and was serving 16 years in prison. So he's Mm -hmm. like... Okay, well, that's fine. He ends up living in a tent by a bike trail and he gets mad because he feels like these people are riding on these bike trails too fast. To which I have to say, have you ever rode a bike trail? (laughs) You ride it fast. Yeah. You don't poke. I mean, it's not like a cruise maybe you should move away from the bike trail that's a good thought like, maybe like, off the further maybe off the beaten path yeah no he decides to threaten people with a hatchet which leads us to his arrest so he's arrested he's brought in the indiana detectives they fly down there and they're like yeah he does have a close resemblance but he has a pretty airtight alibi um of course he was at an ultrasound appointment with his wife oh when of course people like that produce kids like nothing i know know right gosh he also says that he would he's done a lot of terrible things he would never kill a child because he's very sensitive to that because he himself was molested as a child Mm -hmm. etc but he has a pretty airtight alibi so yeah i mean i guess there's ways they can triple check that and look we're diving into these rabbit holes because like that's kind of it yeah i mean like we don't have much else so investigators start to look at similar murders in in nearby towns thinking like maybe there's a trend in july of 2012 a pair of young cousins were found murdered after they disappeared riding their bikes and they were found in a wooded area but again there was no proof of any connection and Mm -hmm. it was like 400 miles away. it was in indiana but it was like 400 miles away no proof of any connection whatsoever now finally in 2019 and this is another discussion that i'll bring up but there's a man named charles eldridge and he is arrested in a sting operation after uh he attempted to lure what he thought was a 13 year old girl online Mm -hmm. to have sex with him turns out it was a police officer of course when will people learn I know. Like, don't do that. Don't do it online. Don't do it, period. Be a good person and right. not a perv. Gosh. I know. It's ter- I mean, thir- like, that's just awful. That's a baby. I mean, that's Olivia. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, not quite. Not but quite, but like. Close. You know, give close or take enough. a couple. So the mug shot, again, seems eerily similar to the composite sketch. And it's discovered that he has a long history of luring young girls. My question is, why is he not in jail? Seriously. If you, if you are convicted of molesting, molesting a child Mm -hmm. that should be a life sentence i'm so sick of hearing about people committing murder molestation rape and it's like well he had a long history of it's like why was he not in jail why was he out why was he that should be to me up there with murder Mm -hmm. like if you are if you sexually assault molest anything a child you should go to jail for the rest of your life it's unforgivable i have no tolerance for crimes against children no at all because you have you have ultimately murdered that child's childhood i mean they're gonna have to go through some serious trauma to overcome that mm-hmm. and I, like why was he out of prison you know that you're because yeah 
Anyway, so the strange thing is, is that Eldridge, if you looked at his Facebook page, he was obsessed with missing teenage girls and like he would share their stuff, like share the missing Mm -hmm. ads and stuff. So nine days after the murder, he shared Libby and Abby's and the picture of the guy walking. Mm hmm. And so police kind of thought that was odd. It was like, okay, so what is your fixation with this? It's just, Mm -hmm. especially since you're like a child molester, like, why are you obsessed with this? They talked to his grandmother-in-law. I'm like, somebody married you? (laughs) Ooh, there's hope for all of us, I guess. And she tells police that he is known for going out into the woods wearing camouflage with rifles, but he doesn't hunt. But he doesn't hunt. And nobody knows what he's doing. Like, it's just really strange. That's weird. It is. Now, the guy in the video, like, he's not dressed in camouflage would be one thing you know but that doesn't mean anything yeah. I mean this guy could have just been walking I mean and it's not like this dude is like bad at hunting to where he just keeps missing he's just he doesn't no hunt, he doesn't hunt but no. he goes out in camo and, and his, has weapons and the grandmother-in-law says she wouldn't even let her own grandkids be alone with him that's gotta tell you something right there so this is where I get really annoyed in spring of 2019 he's charged with five more counts of child molestation but again despite all of this they can't find a link between him and the murders mm-hmm. so he's a disgusting person who should be in jail for the rest of his life but as of right now there's no link between them mm-hmm. and I take that as is maybe he had an alibi I mean it, they didn't say he was cleared but that's kind of like the last person of interest that they right. had this is where things get a little bit weird so remember how I said that the composite sketch that was released was based on the video mm-hmm. and nothing else well in 2017 there was a witness who saw a man on the trails and they yeah. believe it was the man in the video they did a composite sketch in 2017. The sketch looks absolutely nothing like... So they release it in, in April 2019. They release it. Mm-hmm. It looks nothing like the composite sketch that was originally released. Like, oh, no. Totally different. Oh, no. And the and the public information officer is like, look... At this point, we were asking people to look at both sketches and the photo and the video and listen to the audio and help us identify the suspect in this case. To the killer, you brutally murdered two little girls, two children. Only a coward would do such a thing. I stand by that statement and probably make it with more with more meaning and passion today than I did on that day. We know that this is about power to you. And you want to know what we know. And one day you will. Y'all, the case is still ongoing. Mm -hmm. It has not been solved. I don't see why it can't be solved because we have a video of this guy walking in his voice and it's like somebody knows something and if you have any information, I have a phone number. Yeah. Call 844-459-5786 or you can email Abby, A-B-B-Y and Libby, L-I-B-B-Y tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F dot com and I'll put all that in the show notes. And currently the reward is $225,000. It makes me wonder if this guy was like a a transient kind of guy. Like he wasn't from this town. He was maybe just passing through. What if this was just a crime of opportunity kind of thing? So I definitely don't think it was a local because I think somebody would have come forward by now. Things are so distinctive. They would have known him. Maybe he's like, so if something's happened around the surrounding areas from this little Indiana town, Mm -hmm. hopefully people are taking notice and still focused on this. Yeah. That we can maybe come up with something. I, I, my heart, 
you know, hearing of like, a, it's hard for me to cover anything where a child dies. But this situation is like, these girls weren't, they they were out in nature. Just, mm-hmm. they weren't doing anything wrong. Yeah. They were doing what we want they our kids to do. They were on tablets. Yeah. They were doing what we want our kids to do and go outside and get off of the life. tablets and just be in nature and just do things. And yeah. they were. And look what happened. Yeah. It's, it's just heartbreaking. So please spread the word about this case. If you haven't heard about this case, please spread the word about yeah. it. And you can Google. There's, this is a well-known case. You can yeah. Google it. There's multiple documentaries on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly suggest watching what you can. And, and we'll put on Facebook, we'll put, we'll put the picture. Yeah, um, absolutely. We did have a couple of questions when we posed those questions. Oh, yeah. So let's take a look really quick because I want to talk the questions before we, we dive out. I got it. All right. So what was one of the questions? All right. Which of the cases that you've covered has hit your heart the hardest? And who asked that? Let's give her a shout out. Allison Guerin. Thank you, Allison. Um, let me think. Anything that that involves kids mm-hmm. hurts my heart because um, I, I kids are just so innocent. Like this one. I mean, this one really. That that's why we don't cover a lot of kids stories because I, I just can't handle it. I know. I, I just can't. It just makes me sick to my stomach. Um, they all really kind of get to me. Um, I think that's why we kind of find humor where we can when we're telling these yeah. stories because it, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's pretty devastating. Uh, yeah, I'm looking through our uh, all of our old episodes just to see which one really. Hmm. You know, the Scott Rogers one. I would just like or the the yeah. Planche one. That one. That one. I think now that you say it, I think that one. That one really got me because it was so local, and we could see our own fathers yeah. in Gary Planche. Yeah. And this, and if you don't remember, that one is the one where uh, his son was molested. Jody Planchet was molested in the eighties. In the eighties, and back then, in our local airport, law enforcement were bringing in the um, the child molester through the airport, and it was televised, and you can see Gary Planchet yeah. shoot him on live television. Yeah, and I think. Because it's so relatable, like his mm-hmm. reaction was so relatable. Like, we, like you said, we could see our own fathers doing something like yeah. that. Yeah, that I think that one really hit home. Mm-hmm. And then also like the Jennings, oh, the Jennings. God, yeah, I think there was just I don't know. Yeah. When, when we watched the documentaries, like we could like the they would show you know just the bayous and stuff, and and we grew up like around yeah. these areas. It was just. Yeah. I hate that stuff like that's happened, and there's really no closure for that one either. So. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like the no closure is what gets to me too. Mm-hmm. What was another one? I know we had another question. Was there one about our biggest fear? Uh, yeah, I think cousin Amber asked that one. I have a very specific one. My what? biggest fear is being in a car and like going into it like a lake or a river because I'm oh. like I'm t- I don't know why and it, it it got worse when I had kids because mm-hmm. I'm like okay, how am I going to get my kids? You know, like my thought would be like, okay, I got to go in the back seat, get my kids out. And there's a movie called Awake mm-hmm. that came out on, that's on Netflix. And it's the beginning of it starts like that. And I'm, I had to turn it off because mm-hmm. I was like, I can't handle this. <laughs> Between that and I think in a former life, I died by being, um someone someone used a knife to charge oh. me in the chest. I don't like being touched in the chest. Well, it's weird. Like I, it yeah. just makes, if I have to have open heart surgery, I told Derek just to let me die. Cause I don't want to be cut open. <laughs> You know, no. or they need to find another way. We're just going to put you under and then cut you open. Well, I better be under for like <laughs> days until it heals up because I cannot stand being touched yeah. in the chest. It's just, ugh. No, what? I think one of my biggest fears um, 
is because of Final Destination uh, being behind like log trucks on the road and stuff. That movie, I think, screwed up a lot of us of, yeah. of our generation yeah. because that tanning beds, roller coasters oh God, flying off the tracks, those things. But, I, you know, the roller honestly, coaster going off the tracks. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I honestly can't do roller coasters unless I'm at Disney because I trust Disney. Yeah, I, we trust <laughs> But like them. when we go to Dixieland and I'm like, I can't ride these roller coasters. All you hear is kick, 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 You're like, that does not. Nobody maintains these things. You're like, that 16-year-old checked the screws on it? Okay. Anywho, that's one of my biggest fears. That and like, like you said, like losing like car accidents and yes. like what if Olivia's in the car with me how do I get her out do? Yeah, yeah going into water off a bridge oh god man I have a lot of fears <laughs> that's like opening a can that's of worms where I like stay home I know right all the time yeah yeah so that's two of our questions if you have any questions please ask us yeah what let us know say. um yeah we we are open books yeah um, apparently I need therapy so <laughs> me too Hey, you know what? We, Despite our fears, we leave our house. Yeah, I still go places, oddly yeah. enough. I don't have panic attacks, so that's that's a step forward. That's true. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. We, when we cross the bridge, yeah. we don't have to hold I our still breath. go. I yeah. still go. We go to Broly and visit yeah. that, that family <laughs> over there. Every you know? time I go across the bridge. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Well, all right, y'all. So episode 50 in the books. Um, we will see y'all next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>